welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. Lou Rosenfeld here. And um, four-time guest, I think, Steve. Uh, Steve Portugal. That's the Steve I'm talking with today. Hey, Steve. <laughs> hey, Lou. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Steve, um, one of the reasons you've been on the Rosenfeld Review podcast before is every time we put out a, a new book, we do one with the author, and you're up to three now. You did interviewing users. You did, I, I, I better, I, I've still got to say- Doorbell's Danger it, and Dead Batteries. It doesn't always roll off the tongue, but yeah. that's the other book Steve did. It's actually quite a, an excellent read of war stories, which is maybe what we should have called it. But, um, uh, and then um, interviewing users, uh, the second edition, which just came out, what was it, about two months ago, uh, right. our very first second edition. So we've been talking about that. Um, you may know Steve not only from his written work, but just from the, the body of knowledge he's been sharing for years and years and years about how to interview users, about user research in general, uh, from his presentations as well. Uh, it's just been great to learn from you, Steve, and, and also to work with you in a different role that's relevant to what we're going to talk about today. So um, Rosenfeld Media puts on the Advancing Research Conference. The uh, very uh, next one is coming up March 25th through 7th. It's going to be our first in-person conference mm. since we were, since well, since the pandemic started. Now, back in early 2020, we put on the first advancing research conference that was going to be in person sold out five weeks in advance as you might remember and then we were just racing to virtualize it in a few weeks which we managed to pull off um and steve uh was one of the curators of the very first two of the advancing research conferences and he is going he is one of the four featured speakers closing out advancing research 2024 so Huh, that's my preamble. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot, Stephen. I, I, other than you know, mangling uh, the book title, I, I did it all from from memory. So, uh, uh, kudos to me on a, a late on a Friday afternoon here in New York. That all said, Steve, um, what I thought we should talk about today is uh, something you're going to be addressing at uh, your presentation in March, which is broad trends in the field. But but before we get into that, I thought it could be really interesting for our listeners to talk about a word that you and I both probably overuse, and that is? I think you're going to say curation, but it could also be cheese. I don't I'm Oh, my sure. goodness. I, I, okay. I, I gave you a softball. The word is dog fooding. Dog fooding. <laughs> well, so che cheese was close. Okay. Well, the the ideal food, food for dogs is is yeah. cheese. That's that's a known um, scientific fact. But um, yeah, so Steve, um, just in the warm up, we were chatting a little bit about this idea of dog fooding and 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 what happened yesterday that made you think of that. Right. So yesterday was the first meeting of the uh, I guess of all the folks who are speaking and running workshops. Uh, uh, at the Advancing Research Conference. At, uh, even just saying that, I think that's a unique thing that the conference organizers do, you all, is get people together. Um, and, you know, there's a, this whole, 
process that's kicked off yesterday, which is, um, you know, working together to develop those presentations. And I think, you know, if you speak at conferences, the typical process, and I guess it varies, but typically is, um, you know, what are you going to talk about? Give us a description. Um, you know, we're, let's do a tech check of the day before. Um, maybe. You know, I think, yeah, maybe. Yes, that's true. Uh, if you're lucky, there's a tech check. Um, but, you know, advancing research, I guess all the Rosenfeld conferences have, have taken a, you know, a, a very unique and I think it's really paid off kind of approach, which is, you know, come in with an idea, focus the topic, and we're going to work together. The curators sort of provide leadership and guidance. You have a speaker coach that provides, uh, you know, very specific skill developments because everyone's at a different level. Uh, that lets you bring in, you know, speakers at at different levels that have interesting stuff to say um, and not sort of show up having baked it, but kind of work to bake it together. Um, and so, yeah, the first couple of conferences, I was one of the curators. I scheduled meetings with these folks and ran discussions with them and gave them feedback and talked about slides and what were the key points. And, you know, I kind of led the that side of it. Uh, and then I get into this meeting yesterday, uh, and I'm on the other side of it. In, in fact, before that, I got a Google Doc with all the to-dos and the milestones and the timing, and this is going to be on, this will be done on Lou, and this will be done on Dropbox, and this is how this is going to work. And uh, I don't know, like, it's, you know, yeah, that initial reaction of like, wow, there's there's a lot here, which I think is double-sided. One is like, oh, there's a lot here, but also... Oh, there's a lot here because, um, you know, so that's the dog fooding, right? It's like experiencing the process from the other side. And, and Steve, like, how, how did that make you feel? <laughs> Is that your, are you imitating uh, a user researcher on TV? Um, yeah, I mean, it made me feel good and bad, right? And, and I like the bad is, oh, this is not what I'm used to. But I think the fact that I, I went through this process from the other side and I walked into it knowing what it is from, from this side, from the speaker side. And even then I was still sort of taken aback. I, I think that, like, that's one reason why you dog food things, right? Mm -hmm. Why you try it yourself. Because here's, the, it's completely illogical for me to be to be overwhelmed or anything. Like, I know this because I, I did it. Um, and yet, and yet, and yet, I still had that kind of reaction. Um, so that I think is just like, it's interesting or even exciting to be sort of surprised that way. Um, but I, I think it also feels really good because, um, you know, this is a new talk. I don't have the, the, the talk written. I have some ideas and, um, you know, I think, yes, I've done lots of talks that have been new over the course of my career. And, um, it's, it's always like an uncertain path. You sort of start out and agree to do something and you know, at some date you're going to stand up and share something. Uh, but I don't know what it looks like to go from, you know, from A to Z on this because everyone is just different. Um, yeah. So it, the fact that there's some structure and support to get there is like, is refreshing. I guess that's the, that's the good part of this is like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sort of cast out into the wild show up in, in March and, you know, make sure you have some slides for us, Steve. There's a, there's a process to get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, uh, uh, you know, we were in the meeting yesterday, we had, uh, uh, Robin Pierce 
who has spoken for us before say, everyone, this is a great process. You're going to love it. And Neil Barry, who's never spoken for us before, who said, wow, this is really like, we're, 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 we're you know, uh, staying true to what the field is about here. And, and it's great to hear that from both a first timer with us and, and a, a veteran. Um, but the idea of dog feeding, I think, is something that really needs to be out there more for people in our field. Um, for everyone, but I, I can only speak to people on our field, as it were. Um, I spoke in person at a couple conferences in Europe in October and hadn't spoken in person since the pandemic, but it was such an interesting experience to be on the other side and see what a process could be like. And it was really fun, but, but scary. And Speaking at a conference is one of these things where the journey is is important, but the destination is also pretty damned important. It's not less important than the journey necessarily. So uh, I'm glad you feel that support. Um, and I, I, I will do our best to help you get there. Um, not too worried about it, Steve. But um, I was talking with uh, Brenda Sanderson earlier today. And uh, Brenda had just stepped down in the last couple of months as the uh, di executive director of the Interaction Design Association, which she was doing for about 11 years. And, you know, I, I told her, I, I said, wow, I think it's great what you did. You were, you know, just a real gift to our profession. And uh, uh, usually I think the professional association model is broken. And yet, like, this is the exception was what IXDA has done over this time. Um, but we were just sort of talking about the state of the field broadly um, and how it feels to be in it for like 25 years, thereabouts. Uh, she and I have both been in at least that long. I think you as well. And you're really talking about 25 years, in this case of user research in particular, uh, at the conference. And if there is one word to describe where you felt things were 25 years ago, what would that be? And you know, I'm gonna ask you, what, what is it now? Oh, okay, well that, that's good tip off the second question. Uh, the, the desert. Beginning was the desert. Yeah, I mean, it's a biblical reference, I guess. We were, yeah, we were, if 40 years. Were, if there were any of us, we were wandering around in the desert. Mm -hmm. There was no sort of, path or destination or belief that there would be a destination or, um, you know, I guess I don't want to, I don't want to belabor the metaphor too much, but, uh, I think the wild West metaphor gets thrown around, but that sort of says that there's no rules, but this is like, there, w there wasn't necessarily a there, there, mm -hmm. there was, there were individuals and small clumps of people, but I mean, we didn't, yeah, again, if I'm going to really go to go back to Exodus. There was not a tribe wandering together in the desert. There was sort of a desert and like, yeah, disparate pockets of, of, of people with no, with no connective tissue, with no idea that they would find and build a tribe. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And what about now? I mean, I guess the, it's the jungle now. I mean, it's, it's dense. Um, it's, uh, you, you, it's so dense that you sometimes can't see kind of what's in front of you because it's all right in front of you. So you, you can't see too far ahead. 
Um, it's just, it's, it's dense and lush, which means there's like lots of stuff. And some of those are sort of predatory factors that are uh, going to creep up on you that you don't necessarily know. Uh, but there's, there's bounty and delight and volume and song and like, you know, all the sort of the wonder of, of the jungle is there. Um, and I think, you know, just it's the question you're not asking, but for, for the 25 year folks, like for us old oldies, like the, the survival skills for the desert uh, aren't the same as the survival skills for the jungle. And, um, you know, I guess if you make it 25 years, you learn how to, uh, you learn some adaptation from kind of environment to environment, but, um, you know, for better or worse, I think, you know, I mean, maybe this is what you and Brenda talk about is like, Hey, remember when we were in the desert? Like there is a, there's no, it's not an, I think it runs the risk of being sort of a, uh, nostalgia. Hey, gee, remember when weren't the eighties great, like that kind of conversation, uh, 25 years ago, it was not the eighties. Thank you, math people. Um, but that sort of generational nostalgia, um, so, you know, I think, I think these things all, all are mixed in, right? It, it was a certain way we came up during certain times. We learned to adapt or thrive or overcome, you know, in certain conditions, those conditions have changed so dramatically mm -hmm. and we've, we've, we've developed different ways to succeed or different ways to adapt. This is all very hand wavy, not very specific, but, um, um, well, but, you know, we also remember how it used to be, and that informs, I guess, our thinking about how it is now or how it could be going forward. It, it feels like, you know, to take your, your metaphor a little further, there, the, the ways you die in the desert um, are very different than the ways you die in the jungle. And yeah. I think we, we, the risks we had back in the desert was, you know... Uh, expiration through loneliness or uh there's no there's no water to drink uh there's there's nowhere nowhere to go whereas maybe in the jungle um we're all getting eaten left and right it's don't it's eat or be eaten i, I don't know if yeah. that's how you feel about i, I might have just beaten that metaphor with a very well, big stick but i, I think metaphors. what you're what you're what you're surfacing is what i didn't say explicitly which is like none of us want to go back to the desert. Like if we're, if we're older and reflecting on the past times and sort of what things were like, um, you know, there may be things about prior eras that brought out certain, certain strengths or certain things, but I don't think we're saying, and I'm sort of speaking for you and by extension, Brenda and other people, I don't think we're saying, Oh, it was so much better than, you know, I, I think it was, it was not right. Mm -hmm. It was, there were certain ways to die there. And it doesn't mean that, okay, everything's perfect now, but the, the threats and the opportunities and, you know, and so on are just, are really, really kind of different, but I don't, I don't want to go, I don't want to forget, but I don't want to go back. And I think that's the mindset that I'm, you know, trying to, I don't know, further as I think about, you know, hey, what are we going to talk about in, in March? Well, that's, that's heartening because it, you know, I hadn't really thought of it that way that, you know, there's danger everywhere all the time, but maybe the dangers from the desert were um, su substantial enough that you don't really want to go back. I mean, I, I'd certainly like to go back to being you know, 30 years old or whatever I was, but uh, that's a whole nother story. 
Um, and, and it did feel like a time of great opportunity. Uh, it, uh, you didn't really have to work too hard to get work, for example. Um, or I don't know, maybe you did. Maybe I'm, maybe that's a misremembering. Um, but I'm, what I want to know from your perspective is the advice that you have from your own experience to, let's say, someone who's just like in the first few years of their career in user research, do you feel like what you learn from the desert, not about the desert, but the desert experience, if you will, is it, you know, applicable to, to for today's researcher? Some is and some isn't. And I was in a, you know, a conversation yesterday with uh, someone who was referred to me who is like just out of their bachelor's degree and is interested in the field of user research and is looking for uh, some advice. And those conversations often start by people asking me like how I got started. And mm -hmm. I, um, as much as I like to talk about myself, I feel like that, I mean, the context is so completely different. Yeah. Like, and maybe it's interesting to that person to sort of understand some of what we're talking about. The, the field looked differently. Um, uh, but I mean, I ended the conversation, you know, we kind of got to a point about, um, talking about professional communities and networking. And, uh, you know, I told him about, uh, an advancing research community, which this person didn't know about. And even though they're not in the, they're not the target that I think, you know, you or we are trying to serve, it's still a place where people talk about stuff and share knowledge and you can sort of find other people that have interesting things to say. Um, and I think about, I think about networking, connecting with people, you know, and all the tools we have to do that. So I think the, the way in which you enact that is very different now because we have LinkedIn and Slack and mm -hmm. whatever groups kind of people hang out in and podcasts. And, you know, there's a lot of ways that communities engage and people discuss and you can sort of find some belonging um, that we didn't have that sort of infrastructure or that's that critical mass even, you know, in the, in the early era. Um, but I think for me and sort of building my own, yeah, professional evolution, it was, it looked different technically, like I got a, I got a message on my answering machine one day when I came home, you know, like the, it was very different kinds of, 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 of interactions that were happening that were still the same thing. Like, who do you know? How do we just kind of talk to each other and um, encourage each other and ask questions? And um, it is so much more codified, I think, in a wonderful way. Like you can find a post that says, um, hey, if you're going for your first, you know, user research interview at a corporation, you're going to go through these interviews. You're going to show these things. Here's the document that I made. There's a woman that wrote like, here's what I wore to my interview. I did an on-site. Um, there's so many more sort of very specific resources and more access to knowledge. Um, but I think it's that same principle about sort of building relationships, building connections and, and, and making yourself part of the community because so that you don't have that isolation and you can put yourself in the comment field on a LinkedIn mm -hmm. post by me and, you know, and, and, you know, uh, and, and be part of that larger field that way. We have that infrastructure now. So that infrastructure, you're talking to, to a large degree about community infrastructure, right? Yes. Where, where people yes. meet, where they talk. Yes. Where, where do you, do, so you feel that that's 
a bit improved on what it was. You feel like LinkedIn and, and, and Slack are kind of healthy places for researchers to be. <laughs> I mean, right. I think being in a community and using these corporate tools, there's a lot to complain about, about social media and so on. But, um, you know, again, it's the desert and the jungle, right? I mean, you know, there was a time when I knew no one um, or there was only a handful of user researchers and that that were sort of known. And to find them was like a lot of effort or to be in touch with them was a lot of effort. You know, I started an email list in like, I don't know, 97 or something like that. It was, a, was not great, but it was sort of a bridging technology to a future era where just, there was just more community. Um, yeah, now I've just lost track of my thread. No, that's all right. But, you know, I, it's interesting because some, some might argue that communities are weaker now or they're more, I don't know, teased apart or, or fra not teased apart, but fragmented. Mm. Um, you know, there's more churn, uh, there's more yeah. uncertainty. And yet maybe that's okay. Maybe that's part of what keeps communities fresh is that right. they're I mean, kind of disrupted a lot. I mean, you and I are kind of, we're sort of for forcing a binary of like the desert and the jungle, like 25 years ago and mm -hmm. 2024. Um, but I think as you start to look at things like what you're bringing up, yeah, we have ebbed and flowed and wandered around these kind of twisted paths between these different eras. And sure, there's probably a point where there was like one email list and one local meetup and quote unquote, everyone went to those things. And you can kind of see see the people or hear from them um but and so that doesn't that doesn't exist right like there were yes there would be a time in the bay area where i live there'd be a meetup and like i could tell you there are four people i would see at anything and i would just always see them uh and the pandemic certainly sort of messed up our in-person local kind of casual mm -hmm. sort of the social aspect of community building um, so there is churn and uncertainty and sort of frustration with the limitations of the, the sort of the community infrastructure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I sometimes feel like, oh, I want to ask a question and I don't have a place anymore to do that that feels safe or where I'm going to get a good answer. Um, well, it's so also, I, don't, I don't think it's perfect now by any means. No, I mean, and, and it's interesting in some ways it's analogous to, uh, uh, mass media. Uh, you know, we grew up with you know, whatever, six channels of TV and, you know, uh, everyone watched the same shows and that doesn't happen anymore, obviously. Um, but let's actually, I want, that's a good segue talking about things like COVID to, to, to jump back to the evolution over the last 25 years. And I wonder, I mean, COVID's the obvious one, but are there other points where you feel things pivoted during those 25 years? Yeah, and I've, I don't know what the structure will be like, but I, I, I sort of imagined like a timeline and trying to think about some key inflection points along that. Um, uh, and, you know, there's probably a handful. I don't know how sort of important all of them are, but I think the one that, um, and, and certainly for me, this has been really significant, I think was sort of the the decline of the agency and consultants and the growth of insourcing. Mm -hmm. Um and so, you know, you started to see, uh, so so for people that don't know, back in the olden times, 
like UX work overall and user research, of course, was done by agencies. Companies didn't hire for this. They didn't know how to hire for it. That was it, all the great work was done by these great agencies. And, um, you know, the business model has changed. I don't know if this is true, but there was a point at which Apple brought advertising in-house that I think upset advertising as an industry. And I don't know if that was sort of the like the, the major inflection point and everything we're talking about followed that. I, I don't know. Um, somebody else does. So, well, I mean, there uh, was, there were in the field, there were certainly aqua hires. That was, I mean, that's what we saw, right? Agencies got bought to get the staff those agencies went away. Um, right. Uh, Facebook bought Bolt Peters. And, um, um, uh, well also, uh, hot studio, not a research company, obviously, but yeah. In yeah. That same vein. Right. That's true. Right. Um, um, Right, Adaptive Salesforce bought a company. Adaptive Path is probably sort of the the more famous one among you know our cohort, and there, there's there's dozens, right? I think there was a chart for a while. You could see, you know, who got bought by who, right? Um, and and so while that's happening, those big companies are not hiring agencies, are not to the same level. So you know where the jobs are are now in house, um, and so that changes. I mean, so that means cons I'm still a consultant through these whole 25 plus years. Um, that's changed what opportunities are available to me. Um, it's created new ones and it's, you know, eliminated others. And, um, you know, so the mix has changed. And so I guess, you know, there's a personal aspect for me. But I think what's interesting is when the work is done by people that work at the company versus when the work is done by people who are consultants. And I think for research, um, it's super interesting because there's a truth to power role that we play. Um, and mm -hmm. if you're the, if you're the VP of user research, it, it's not, this is not a binary. It's not better or worse. Just think about uh, what I can and can't say and what access I have and don't have and what insight and history and context I do and don't have. Um, that, you know, my client, let's say, who's, yeah, is a VP of, 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 uh, user research and insight for, you know, a large company, they can say all kinds of things that I can't say. And I can say all kinds of things that they can't say. And see and, things too. Yes. I guess it's not just the say, right. It's the understanding and that, um, you know, they have their job to worry about, but they also have a long time to make change and they know who all the people are and they know who to have lunch with and who to invite to a meeting and who to, you know, all the, the, the tools that they can kind of work with. Um, and so the, the performance of this work, I think is different because it's not just about doing an interview or doing a study, right? It's about driving change, changing what people believe and how they think and, and getting them to act on that. Um, and so, I don't know, like, I get, I, I like the partnership. I like working with those in-house folks because they can do things that are just amazing but I can bring things to them that no one in their organization can do. So I think there's, it doesn't mean the death of possibilities. It just means that the, the flavor of it is really kind of changed. And um, yeah, so I don't know that's a, that's an inflection point to me was sort of the insourcing, the growth of in-house teams and the growth of leadership as a part of that mm -hmm. uh, has really, has really changed the who's doing research. Well, then there's the whole, I don't know if you see this as one of those pivot points or inflection points, but the whole uh, powder phenomenon of, you know, democratization, people who do research rather than, you know, people who identify as researchers. 
Uh, I don't know if that's something that's high on your list or if there are other points that you think were really important over the evolution of uh, user research in the last 25 years. I, I was like noodling in a document today and I wrote down um, uh, what is research and who does research. And I was thinking of those more as just like, um, I don't know if there's inflection points tied to that. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe, well, actually, in fact, I wrote down, I wrote down when Kate Towsey coined that term um, as being an inflection point. So I actually think there is a, when, when there was enough of a change that someone could point to it and give it a name, mm -hmm. I think was an inflection point. So yes, you're right. I, I, I take back, but I, I think it, I think it speaks to these sort of perennial questions where, and I think it's around, what is this thing that we're talking about? Because research means a lot of different things. And we have one word that is the umbrella term for all this stuff and included in all that in, included in all that is, well, who's performing these act, what are the activities that we're talking about and who's performing them? And so when you have to keep qualifying it and saying, well, there's research, but there's research done by researchers, well, there's qualitative done by researchers. And then there's, you know, different, a different aspect, but we won't give it a label because we don't want to be pejorative of research that's done by People who do research, which is a great term, right? It, I mean, when Kate, you know, identified that, it is just really brilliant. And yet, how awful that we have to talk about this activity using this. It almost sounds apologetic. Like, and again, I really think I, I'm not, I want to be uh, positive about that term. But I think if you just step way, way back and say, like, if we go to somebody in another field and say, like, yeah, the tasks in our field are performed by researchers and people who do research like it sounds like participation <laughs> trophy language like it's yeah. it's a response to something that i think is much more complex that i don't know that i'm going to fully tease out myself um but i want to you know work to point to so that we can yeah, think about what's ahead and, and it's a real thing and it has real implications i mean certainly tooling does uh we'll see what ai does um i'm going to throw out one more idea um and then we're going to have to bring it home. We, we actually didn't even take our normal mid-roll break. This has been such a great conversation. We've just let it go. Uh, not surprising because we've got experience having these uh, podcasts together, Steve. So uh, no, no, no surprise at how much fun it has been to talk. Um, but um, one of the things that uh, I've heard you say, you may not remember this, uh, but when you wrote the first edition of Interviewing Users, when that came out over 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago now, you told me it's really great to write this stuff down and move on. You don't have to answer the same questions over and over again. You can point people to the book, which uh, a lot of people uh, certainly have picked up on. It's, it's been a real, it's a classic in the field, let's face it. And yes, we're not biased at all. Um, but you wrote it down and you moved on. And I think that's an important, I don't know if it's a trend or, a, or maybe it's more of a characteristic that I think any of us who've had any time in this field need to consider that you didn't just grab on to the same thing you'd been doing 25 years ago and assume you're going to, you know, ride that out for the rest of your life in the same ways. Now that's, I just made it sound really negative and I don't really, I didn't, now that I said it that way, I don't really mean it that way. I mean, there are people for various reasons who 
economic reasons or the way they're wired or who knows what, they, they don't like change. But I just don't know how you stay in this particular field for very long if that's the case. Would, would you agree with that or you want to push back? I mean, I, I, this is a great conversation because everything we're talking about has not just nuance, but it has, um, there's pros and cons. It's like a definitely a, a theme that I'm hearing in what we're talking about. So yeah, I think when you stick around, you there's a part of me that does want to hold on to stuff and just like, why can't I be doing the same work I was doing, you know, 15 years ago? Like sort of, I knew what I, I knew how to do it. You know, we, you said before, like, oh, there was, it seemed easy to get work and maybe that's true or maybe it's not, but there's that perception, um, you know, things change and it forces you to uh, evaluate what you know, what you're good at, where you can bring value. Um, that obviously is good for us as people. This is creative work and we're, creative people and, and, and being able to be creative around yeah, how to provide value and how to, how to find joy in the work that we do. I think the, the fact that that isn't static is probably good for us. Um, but it's frustrating. Um, it's, it is frustrating. So it's cool to move on. Uh, it's cool to come back to something you wrote 10 years ago mm -hmm. and like get another bite of the apple on that. And like, it was that actually was like one of the most uh, exciting kind of creative prospects to undertake. Cause in my mind, I had set it to bed and I, you know, you and I talked a couple of years ago about doing another edition and I'm like, nah, why, why would I do that? Like not, wh why does the world need that? And why do I need to go through that? Um, but coming back and sort of, you know, not, not moving on or, or, or doing the next sort of stage of that moving on. Um, I mean, I think the, the, thing is like the world, the world changes with or without us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, I think we're sort of obligated to, to not, I guess not obligated. We have the opportunity to, to progress and move. Um, and I think that just, it comes back to the community thing, right? I think if you're wandering by yourself in the desert, there's no, you have less access to people to be inspired by, um, to emulate or to position against, you know, you definitely see people in your community that do things. You're like, oh, I do not want to do that. I do not want to be perceived that way or engage in that. Um, you know, there's people that are really, really uh, leaning into AI. They're trying this stuff. They're seeing what works. They're experimenting. They have, you know, points of view about it. And um, I'm just, I'm kind of sticking my, my thumbs and my ears on it a, a little bit and not... Like there's other yeah, people don't worry, Steve. The, we're going to cover a lot of that at Advancing Research, March 25th through 27th in New York City. Um, couldn't resist. Uh, but we are um, about um, out of time. But it's been a great conversation. Uh, I know you brought a gift, but before we wrap it, we, we get to your gift, I do want to, again, mention that Steve uh, will be the uh, closing speaker, closing invited featured speaker at Advancing Research. Uh, he'll be speaking uh, at the end of the day on March 26th in New York City. We're going to be at the Museum of the Moving Image uh, in Queens, New York. It's a really fun part of New York City. A lot of you haven't been there, I'll bet. If you've been to New York, you probably didn't make it to Queens as a visitor. You, you should. Queens is the new Brooklyn, after all. Uh, and um, uh, the venue is really wonderful, especially if you're interested in anything involving film or TV. We'll have the run of the museum. 
but the program is really why you should come. And uh, Steve's a big part of it. Looking forward to it, Steve. Steve Portugal, author of three Rosenfeld Media books, uh, both editions of interviewing users, as well as Doorbell's Danger and Dead Batteries, User Research War Stories. Uh, Steve, before, we, oh, and I should say, uh, you if you want to know more about Steve, you can go to his website, portugal.com. That's portugal, P-O-R-T-I-G-A-L, not portugal.com. Uh, Steve, uh, what's, what gift did you bring for our listeners today? Yeah, people that uh, follow food, which is a weird phrase to say, uh, people might know uh, Jay Kenji Lopez-Alt, who does Instagrams, all kinds of stuff, and YouTubes, all kinds of stuff. He's just like a very generous and creative uh, food writer uh, and sort of storyteller. But he has this book called The Walk, um, which is maybe the, I don't know, I've, I've tried buying cookbooks. I'm not a- uh, Walk, like W-O-K? Right, I guess- it Walk the walk? Region. Yes, what region of North America are we from? The walk. <laughs> uh, yes, W-O-K. Um, it's like, yeah, for someone that's like a reasonable cook, um, you can, like every recipe in there that I've tried is amazing and comes out, you know, rest, like what you would get in a restaurant. And so to be, uh, you know, a, a white person kind of cooking with what I can get at the grocery store and be able to make something that, actually resembles what it is that you know i'm trying to get to um it's just a it's a really great book and, what's uh, one really great recipe you've made um you know i can't remember what the actual thing was he has this whole thing about uh velveting the meat you like you just beat the crap out of it with your hands you squish it and put it in uh baking soda um and so we had we had company over and we made uh a stir fry beef. I, I, it was like a very specific kind of stir fry beef. And um, like the people were just like raving as dinner guests should do about the, oh, this beef is so soft. I'm like, yeah, because I squished it in a colander with like for 60 seconds with baking soda. Like it's, you know, a thing you wouldn't think to do, or you might think like, yeah, I'll skip that step. But it, it it's really, it, it, it's a recipe book. It gives you the steps to produce something really incredible. Um, so, well, I mean, him, the hell with this I'll, podcast, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go eat. You're yeah. making me hungry. So good. Steve, thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to seeing you in March in New York and especially to your presentation. And, uh, thanks for joining us today on the Rosenfeld review. Thanks. Luke. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld review brought to you by Rosenfeld media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com. <laughs>